Welcome to Autism Weekly, the podcast that discusses autism news, current events, and inclusion. Each week, we welcome a guest to the program to share their unique perspective and expertise as it relates to the fascinating world of autism. I'm your host, Jeff Skibitsky. I'm the founder and president of ABS Kids. I've been in the field of autism and applied behavior analysis as a clinician and advocate for nearly two decades. The Olympics are in full swing right now in Tokyo. Um, I know that my family is glued to the television every night, which makes this week's podcast especially timely. <laughs> We're excited to talk with a behavior analyst, Mariah Alden, about the amazing ways the Special Olympics helps individuals with intellectual disabilities and neurocognitive disabilities, including autism, across the world. Special Olympic athletes find success, joy, and friendship as a part of a global community. So for those on the spectrum, sports can be used as a tool to help teach and generalize social skills, as well as focus the, the fine motor skills that are necessary for development. The benefit found by both volunteers and by athletes seems to be infinite. And I think that Mariah is gonna be able to shine a light on this. So, so let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast, Mariah. Thank you. So can you give me a little bit of a background? Because it sounds like you found Special Olympics before you found your current career path. And can you tell me about, you know, how you fell into volunteering for the Special Olympics? Yeah, absolutely. So after I graduated high school, I was just looking for a summer job and started to work for this adaptive recreation camp in Northern Virginia. Um, and a lot of the kids I was working with at this camp were super involved in so many different like cool programs and camps and groups. And the one that a lot of the kids were most excited for was Special Olympics. Um, they would ask all the staff to come and their peers were all excited for them and were asking if they could come watch. Um, and just some of the staff I worked for mentioned that they had volunteered with Special Olympics. So I just kind of jumped on the bandwagon and started helping out. And for, for our listeners, Mariah, can you give me a little bit of a description of what adaptive rec is? Uh, just because putting it into perspective of, of Olympics, you're talking about, oh, these are all huge competitions. But what is adaptive recreation? So the camp that I worked at was a summer camp for kids with disabilities, um, anywhere from ages, you know, two to as old as, I think we had some like 18 year olds. Um, so, and it was just a place for them to come and socialize and kind of get that cool summer camp experience that typical individuals get. Um, and that's kind of hard to come by, I've realized in this community. Um, so, they would come and they would just do a lot of sports. We did, we had talent shows, different things, just a bunch of different ways that they could participate. So that's kind of what that camp was. And it was really, really amazing and really drove me to this field. Uh, when I think about adaptive recreation, and I think about the Special Olympics, um, my mind automatically goes to, okay, I'm watching the Olympics right now. I see all these events going on. Are, are these the same events that you are seeing? I mean, I, are you seeing power lifters? Are you seeing the hurdles? I mean, is that what was going on in the Special Olympics? Is that what we would expect uh, to be able to, to observe and cheer for? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the I was 
definitely at like the state level volunteering. So a lot of the sports that I helped out with was basketball. Basketball was like a huge one that a lot of um, the individuals that I worked with were super passionate about. But yeah, they have like very typical sports like softball, basketball, volleyball, um, but then absolutely insane sports like alpine skiing, sailing, powerlifting, all of that stuff, which is just beyond my wildest dreams. So it's really, really cool what they have available. And I mean, that's just a small list of the sports that and the programs that Special Olympics has to offer. Wow, that, that's got to be so empowering for these uh, athletes and their families to be able to say, you know, I want to compete in this sport. I see this sport on TV. I'm going to dedicate myself to be able to compete at the highest level, which is, I guess, the Special Olympics. Yeah. And I am going to excel. I, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. It really is. And seeing that passion and that spark is so cool. Um, I'm the oldest of five and my siblings and I all played sports and found our passions and we're, we're all big into competitive sports. So seeing that translate into this community that I love and I'm so involved in both personally and professionally was really cool. Now, when I watch my children play sports, I see their joy. I, I see at times they get super upset because they didn't compete the way they were hoping to be able to do. When you were volunteering, what sort of what sort of experiences resonated with you? So I think for me, it was the involvement that really sparked my passion and that I saw it just would bring entire communities together and the support for these individuals started to pour from the woodwork. It was really incredible. And kind of what you talked about, you watching your kids and being able to relate to that and help them through that, that's, it's incredible. So it brought families together. And for me, that was what sparked it and what really drove me to continue to volunteer and to continue to work with you know other programs and support programs like that. Um, it was just really, really cool to see sports used as a tool to bridge this gap. Yeah, and, and, and sports are so valuable that way. And I'm, I'm going to challenge you now, Mariah, is that I, I would love to hear, because for each of our families, it's and everybody who out there might think about volunteering or participating or even being a fan and going out and cheering on all these adults and children that are competing is, can you give me a story? Can you can you paint the picture of maybe an athlete that you observed or that you helped that kind of made, made your heart beat a little bit faster or, or kind of brought you to tears or anything like that? Is it, I mean, do you have that that story to kind of bring back to the group? Absolutely. I worked specifically. He was like the cutest, most incredible individual who, when I first started, working at the camp with him, he was like three. So he was super young. And I worked through this camp all through college. And, you know, it was funny because I kind of started my undergrad career in biology. So definitely not in this realm at all. And the more I hung out with this kid specifically, 
it was just like a light had turned on for him when he was playing sports. And like I said, he started when he was three and then watching him grow up and fall in love. And his sport was totally basketball. It was incredible. He was a little rock star. Um, But, you know, this was a very shy kid who now I would probably say had some pretty significant social deficits. And he just kind of exploded into this social butterfly. So, I mean, we went from literally looking at a child who struggled to make eye contact with friends, let alone communicate effectively with them, was suddenly calling out his friends by their names and giving them directions, cracking jokes, everything. Like, that to me was something that I was like, oh my gosh, look at him go. Like, look at him living his best life and playing sports and really doing something that everybody loves. And I mean, whether you're an athlete or a spectator, I think that sports as a whole has brought communities together. Seeing him be able to involve himself in that was something that just made my heart so happy. And then the more and more and more he did it, the more that generalized into other environments into his in, in his life. So really looking at just coming off the court and now we are going to camp and playing with our friends more and we are going to school and hearing, you know, his parents talk about you will never believe what he did at school and how many friends he has and the progress that he's made. So it was it, that was kind of my like passion story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's it's no surprise to me at all is that when somebody feels that pride when they're living their best life as you described it is that they're so mo- motivated to kind of continue and push and challenge themselves and and I guess that's the 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 goal of the Special Olympics, but sports in general. It's it's to empower people. It's to help them learn new skills. It's competing and and at least in this case in a very safe environment where the pressure isn't to go out there and finish first place the pressure is to go out there and compete and to be out there and participate so what are some of the values and some of the skills that um specifically on the uh, for children who identify autistic what are some of those skills that they're learning through sports at times Yeah, absolutely. I think um, communicative skills. So a lot of the stuff that we work on in behavior analysis, you know, teaching those social skills and being able to communicate effectively and just even fine motor, like you had touched on earlier, all of those motor skills that a lot of individuals on the spectrum tend to have deficits in um, are all taught in a fun natural way rather than, you know, being in a classroom learning it or being in a clinic-based setting learning it. They're doing it out there with their peers and it's just kind of natural and it's not forced, it's not repetitive, it just happens. Um, And I think those skills are huge things that we need in our lives and that so many of my kiddos specifically even, really struggle with. Um, So giving them an outlet to use and practice and develop those skills and then generalize it is incredible. And it really, you can see it translate from 
a center-based setting into the natural environment when they're able to participate in sports like this. Yeah. And I mean, so you've described a little bit about how your career now as a behavior analyst has been modified or changed and adapted because of your experiences historically of just being able to bring kids to sports. So if I were, if I were a, another behavior analyst and trying to say, all right, Mariah, I need your help here. I need you to tell me how can I take sports and treatment and make them collide? How would you coach another clinician to utilize the passion, the motivation that sports brings? That's a great question. I think that if it's somebody who's you know just starting out, if you have a patient who is just starting out, parent buy-in is a huge thing that I think a lot of clinicians face, you know, getting parents on board. And I think that, like I mentioned a little bit ago, it just makes it relatable um, being able to say, you know, oh, you played baseball growing up with your dad or your mom or whoever it was. Cool. Now your kid is super interested in it. And not only can he play baseball, but he can work on eye contact. He can work on motor skills. He can work on all of these things that we work on in the clinic. And I think by giving the clinicians that, and that one gives them parent buy-in, and then two, it gives them ways to generalize. So we're not just saying like, we checked off that box, the kid can make eye contact, now it's, can he generalize it? And this does it in such a natural way. So I think that um, the more that you do it and the more kids can just play, the better off they're going to be and the faster they'll learn it, right? A kid can sit at a table and have a hundred trials, but if they do it in play, they're probably going to get it a lot more quickly. And it's just really cool to see that. And so I think that as a clinician, using that and saying like, okay, here's my next step. I've taught the skill. How do I generalize? How do I get them out of this clinical setting? And using sports is can be that kind of tool and that transfer out of just a clinic. And as you're describing this, I'm, I'm going through my head and thinking, okay, so you use baseball as a tool. Mm-hmm. I would imagine, regardless of a child's ability, just looking at developmental milestones, is that there's components of baseball that every single child could participate in. And it's trying to figure out, okay, so say it's multiple step instructions, which is kind of something that, you know, a young child might be working on. Well, swing the bat, run to first base. Like these are things that are are good tools to use and it's, it's ways to be able to do it. Imitation skills. But then what about these older kids? What about the children that maybe, or younger kids that have more developed skill sets? What sort of things can they pull from sports? Um, what sort of, is it friendship? Is it social skills? I mean, what can they learn from this experience? Oh, absolutely. Social skills is huge. You know, team building and being able to, approach your peers and put yourself out of the comfort zone. Also independent living skills, being able to say like, if my practice is at two and I have to do my homework before I need to self-manage and make sure that I'm hitting all of these tasks that I need to do prior to practice. And a lot of the time 
that practice is almost the reinforcement in and of itself. So you've completed all of these steps that you needed to do in order to or gain access to that reinforcer. Um, so I think for older kids, it can teach those more independent skills. And, you know, I need to make sure my uniform's clean. I need to fold my uniform. I need to hang it. Working on just basic living skills um, can be huge. And I think a lot of the times when we say, you know, Special Olympics, it, people just think about playing the sport, which absolutely so much to be learned from that alone, the active participation in, in the sport itself. But there's so many things around it. Like I mentioned, I was an athlete and it was that where it was like, you have to come home, you have to do your homework, you have to make sure that your grades are up, your, all of that. And in order to participate in your passion and in what you love. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, routine, structure, mm -hmm. responsibility, everything that I'd want out of my child is something that is going to benefit um, pretty much any child that's going through a sports or an activity that um, that challenges these particular skill sets. I mean, I think back, so I, I'm thinking through some of the experiences that I've seen children um, kind of work through and opportunities. And I, I have two that I, I think of that are very different. One is Miracle League Sports has uh, as adaptive baseball, where, I mean, I've seen kids run the wrong way, happily, <laughs> and everybody's out there cheering them on. And, you know, they correct over time. But the joy of being out on a field amongst other kids, having that social opportunity in a stress-free environment, that alone I could see empowering for that child and the family watching their child experience all that. It, they're sitting in the stands with tears in their eyes, just happily watching their child, a part of a group, doing things that they never had imagined competing on a team. The other one would be, you know, I've seen a golfer on first tee and their goal was not just to hit the ball. Their goal was I wanted to hit a 200 yard drive, which I mean, for a lot of people, you can't hit a 200 yard drive I and they challenged. <laughs> I know. I, I look at it as like, ah, how am I going to do that? But like they challenged and it's setting those goals and goal setting, no matter who you are, is a, a super important skill to have. And it's it's giving some self-determination. So, I mean, with these things that are out there, how do parents identify, you know, is my child able to play or do they have a passion for a specific sport or how do I enroll them in it? Are there resources? I mean, walk me through this process. Yeah. Um, in terms of do they have a passion for it? I was very lucky. My parents just kind of let us do our thing and supported us and tried out any sport we wanted. It could be, you know, underwater basket weaving and they would be like, yes, go for it. Try it. Um, and I would and have told parents who inquired, you know, do the same thing. Just let your kids play you know, see what they like. If they're super into swimming and they're, you know, little water babies, put, try it, try it out, let them swim. I think um, in terms of finding those programs, through, if you're looking, you know, specifically through Special Olympics, each one there, they have different locations in every state and just across the nation and even internationally. Um, so I would go on their website. You can check that out. Otherwise, if you are 
not looking just at Special Olympics alone. There are so many programs, even those that aren't, you know, they might not be adaptive programs. Try them out and see and talk to them. Talk to the people who facilitate these programs and say, you know, I have an individual who has special needs and they might have a certain diagnosis, but they want to play. What can I do? You know, what, how can we, how can we play and can we join this incredible team or sport or whatever it is program that you are setting up and you're organizing? Um, so you can, there's so many different things across the nation and so many different places that you can look to for these resources. And it sounds like even locally is that if there's a team out there, the worst thing to do is just is to remain quiet and not ask. The best thing to do is say, how, how can we make this? There's always a solution. So how can I get my child engaged? So I, I know firsthand that you're out there, you're researching as a BCBA, but also kind of in general, how you can incorporate more sports into the lives of your of your patients, but also just into clinical life. Um, so now paint the picture for me. What is it that you would challenge the ABA field and maybe even clinical programs to do to create more opportunity that maybe is easier for these kids? Is it creating your own leagues? Is it, uh, I mean, what is it? What should we be doing? Yeah, I mean, Oh, creating your own league. That would be incredible. I <laughs> would love nothing more than that. But um, so the first thing I did was challenge myself to look at the VB map. Let's look at it and let's look at these milestones. How can I make them more fun? How can I pull sports into them? Okay. It's, you know, three exchanges with a peer done. Let's go outside and kick a ball back and forth. Let's, you know, use sports as a way to pull in these skills. So in terms of, you know, in terms of the ABA field, I would say start there, start at the basics. Let's use these assessments that we have and we utilize every single day to use, to be the platform to jump off of, so to speak. And after that, yes, I think that, you know, start a little, start a team in your center, in your, in home, you know, like if you're a home clinician, have neighbors, have the YMCA, have whatever it is that you have in at your disposal and utilize it and say, you know, like, hey, we're playing kickball tomorrow, come join. And, or if you're a center-based one, I know here at our center, we do a lot of like social games or we do game nights some nights and it's, moving away from board games into more like an active game play, which I think is great. So it's like, let's play handball. Let's play um, soccer. Let's play volleyball. Let's do all these things and just expose them to it. We're not forcing them to play. It's just there if you want to. And so I think that is the first step is being creative. Just let's, I like, so I challenge the ABA field as a whole to just be a little more creative in our practices and in what we do. Um, we have the skills and we have the foundational knowledge. Now let's use it in creative and different ways. Yeah, you articulate that challenge really well is that ultimately as as a clinician, our job is not just to create 
and uh, skills for somebody. It's not just to build uh, a list of things or accomplishments a child can do. It's finding useful ways for them to be able to contribute back into the environment the way that they want to, which means generalizing. And what better way than an already built community of sports to be able to generalize communication skills, generalize all these physical skills that they're learning, uh, the cognitive skills. I, sports challenges that. So why not teach and move it into those environments? I think that that is a wonderful advice for everybody. What would, what would your advice be to families um, who are trying to juggle everything? They're trying to juggle school, treatment, um, their other children, um, daily life. I mean, where, how would you help them to understand where sports could potentially fit in that mix? Yeah, I think um, something that hit me when I started this journey in this field was that for families, a lot of their expectations of what their life looks like looks like, sorry, completely shifts as soon as they get a diagnosis. And they're faced with these barriers that they don't know how to overcome. And my advice would just be, you know, look at it as an opportunity to bridge this gap, to overcome this barrier. Something as regular and something as typical as playing sports, you know, can be that bridge. And so my advice to parents would be just to start playing with your kids and see what they like and see what they're interested in. And then, you know, continue the advocacy that so many parents already have for their kids and continue that and push through and move forward with it. Yeah. And I think one thing I've learned over time talking to families and just through experience is that some of these barriers are artificial barriers. They don't have to be there. And whether it's joining a team or being a part of these community activities is I'd, I'd almost add on to what you say uh, and, and what you articulated is I would challenge my clinical team to figure out how we can get my child into those community activities. That could be supporting them on those teams. It could be finding a way to be able to bring that activity into a center, into a clinic there's always a way to be able to do it. And I would open that dialogue of the family to say, hey, let's talk about this. What are your goals? What are your child's goals? Where are their passions? Let's make them fit treatment that way. So I, I couldn't agree with what you said more. And I'd say open communication between a family and their clinical team is so important in meeting all of that. So I wanna, I wanna circle back to the volunteering side because I, I can tell just hearing how you're describing everything that led you into uh, to sports and into volunteering and even into the autism community has been about service and passion. So how can others get into this line of work like I said, I was very fortunate and just kind of stumbled upon it. But I think that just start looking up stuff. Start If you are involved in a sport and you love it, see what you can do. See how you can help and see if there are organizations. Um, like I mentioned before, something as simple as going to the YMCA and saying, hey, do you guys need a basketball coach or do you guys need a swim teacher and just trying and seeing what is out there. Um, Google goes a long way. Uh, if you looked on Special Olympics website, 
They have ways that you can not only become an athlete, but also a volunteer. And I would fully recommend doing that. You will be astounded at just how many cool things and opportunities that you have as a volunteer. And it gets you involved in more ways and within the community. And, you know, as a clinician, it's great for me because when my families ask, you know, well, what, what, what else can I do? How else can I get them involved? I have this resource. I can say here, check this out. Look at this, look at this sport, look at this activity, look at this program. What do you think? And I think that it's also strengthened my resolve in my job and in this community as a whole. And so I think that if you want to volunteer and you want to help start at the very basic of what you love and go from there. I think that there is this big open window to feel like you can give back to the community and kind of complete that service oriented feeling that maybe drove you to it, but do so in a way where you can continue to develop and help somebody else to be able to open up new doors. Um, I, I appreciate uh, you taking the time today and going through and, and giving us your experience and sharing everything because what I'm hoping happens out of this is that we have more families willing to go out there and enroll their children into sports. We have more clinicians thinking out of the box on how they can use sports and community to create more opportunity for kids. And then as a community is that we become more open and we have our arms wide open, willing to bring these children in and these young adults into every walk of life, every opportunity that we'd want our own children to have. So thank you so much, Mariah. I, I appreciate you taking the time. And, and once again, I feel like I've learned so much more every single time I chat with somebody. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I would love to see just a community full of people from all walks of life, all diagnoses, everything come together. And I think that sports can really be that tool. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS Kids. ABS Kids is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS Kids and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting abskids.com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week.